Hello, everybody, and welcome to a Study in Games podcast from Little Rock Games. This is our sixth season of the Study in Games podcast. That means we've been doing this for three years now. And this season, we decided to pick games from the itch.io bundle for racial justice and equality. All proceeds from this bundle will be donated equally between the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund and their Community Bail Fund. We support the Black Lives Matter movement and thought this would be one way for us to show our support. So let's jump right into it. I'm Brad. I'm Joe. I'm Olivia. I'm Robbie. And I'm Tanner. And this month, we played the game Odd Realm from Unknown Origin Games, Inc., And Odd Realm is a sandbox settlement game set in a procedural fantasy world. The game is inspired by such games as Dwarf Fortress and RimWorld. So if you've ever played games like that, you'll know what to expect and probably be a little familiar with it. Um, As always, if you played along with us over this past month, um, let us know on our Facebook page or in the comments on our website at littlerockgames.com. So uh, I'll open this up. Uh, What did you guys think? of odd realm well i guess i can jump in um so i uh first i want to kind of make uh two very quick uh comments one is just to remind everybody that uh due to the the pandemic we're all uh broadcasting remotely so the sound quality might be a little different than when we're face to face and using podcasting equipment so i just want to remind everybody about that um Also, just wanted, uh, in the same kind of vein, to say that um, I'm going to preface all my comments today with the idea that during a pandemic, my needs from games are very particular. (laughs) So so I think all of my responses to games at this point have to be looked at through the lens of I'm in a pandemic. Um, And so my needs for kind of like nurture and for instance, not learning complex new systems. Uh, um, I see where this is going. Those are uh-uh. things that are definitely a factor for me in, in my responses. And so with that said, um, <laughs> I did find Odd Realm a pretty challenging experience. Um, yeah. uh, this, because is, this is the part of the podcast where Joe just backs out and says, <laughs> okay, I'm done. Thanks, guys. So, um, <laughs> I'll see you guys next month. And, uh, um, so that's probably my my big overall, and there are a bunch of reasons for that, and I can talk about them in terms of kind of UI and and um, yeah. and uh, yeah. even the the use of three D space and and some other things. Um, I think it's a fascinating and ambitious project, and and there's some things about the genre that I really really like. Um, but my kind of gut reaction was that it was it was a pretty challenging experience for me. Yep, I can I can definitely see that, and I do not disagree at all. What about you, other guys? What do you think? Uh, yeah, well, there's definitely a massive learning curve. Like the the tutorial, like was actually very useful, but it provided a lot of information really fast. And with yeah. like, a game that's complex like that, with so many interlocking little systems that are just open from the start, it um, yeah, it really was overwhelming at first. Uh, but I decided, you know, just to force myself through to learn it. Um, and as soon as I started figuring out the some of the basics about how to interact with the world, um, I really started to enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, but I also started to see some of the limitations of the systems in their current states. And I and also wanted to clarify uh, for for listeners that this game is still in active development. Um, 
it's I don't know if it's officially under quote early access or what that's uh, what they have on their page yeah yeah so that's worth considering when you know when we're talking about these systems and their imperfections uh there's definitely you know progress to be made and those edges are pretty visible in the game but even with what's there right now it's a really robust and interesting game uh like you know it scratches the same issue in a lot of ways as stuff like rim world dwarf fortress um, and a lot of its inspirations, um, and does some interesting things. Yeah. Um, a quick note on, on that, uh, you mentioned the tutorial. I found the same thing with the tu tutorial that, um, it told you how to do a thing and it kind of hinted at why you were doing it, but it didn't give you enough of a why to know that you needed to, you needed to build things in a certain way. Um, for 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 it to be considered uh, the right space and the right pieces of tools and the right combinations of these things, and so I had to go back and do a whole lot of digging on wikis and and uh, uh, other other forums to figure out. Watched a lot of videos about how other people were doing it, but once I figured that kind of bit out, uh, it was it was pretty cool. Uh, Tanner, Robbie, what do you what did you guys think? So there. There was a time in my life where this sort of game would have been like perfect and I would have wanted to interact with every single little system right away and figure out everything about it. Um, I still really liked the game a whole lot. And I think one of the things that I like the most about it is um, that it's still it's still fun with every like every it, like I didn't explore all of the systems and I still was able to enjoy the parts yeah. that I did explore. Mm -hmm. And, um, the, I, I feel like the, the only thing that the only like vague criticism that I have about it is the, the interface kind of, maybe not the interface, but the, the presentation sort of gets in the way for me. And we can talk about that later. Yeah. I think we definitely should talk about that. Um, and, and yeah, we'll, we'll loop back to it. Um, but, uh, let's hear Tanner. What did you think? And then we'll, we'll go on from there. Yeah. So I've, I've spent uh, a ton of time in this genre. Uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't actually played Dwarf Fortress, but a lot of the, you know, sort of descendant games I really enjoyed. Um, there's a lot that this game does that I really like. I think most of my hangups are just related to, uh, to the, you know, sort of early access. Like, essentially, I'm I'm really excited to see, uh, you know, where this ends up uh, over the next, you know, months or or, or years. Um, sort of see how they refine it. Uh, and we can dive into that. But but overall, I enjoyed it. Um, the biggest obstacle for me is probably the the art style. Uh, yeah. But but yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, I, I agree with all that assessment. I found it the same um, on all of those levels. I'm, I am excited to see where this goes. And I can go back. So this was, uh, I don't think I mentioned this, but this was my pick, uh, Brad's pick uh, for, for the first of this season. And um, one of the reasons that I picked it is I typically am drawn to these world builder games. Um, although I have to say, I have not played um rim world or war fortress i've played similar other games like that that are available on steam and other other uh, uh uh outlets um 
Terraria. But none, none as robust as this. Um, one of as if you've listened to the podcast at all, you'll know that one of my favorite games is Banished. Um, and in a great sense, this this starts you off exactly the same way that Banished does. Uh, you you get a procedurally generated plot of land. You're plopped down with five settlers who have and a bunch of barrels full of uh, maybe maybe not a bunch of barrels full of stuff. And you have to build your settlement from the ground up from that. And I love those kinds of games because I like the organic build of that kind of thing, the slow process and the uniqueness of every single gameplay. Um, even though there are some things that you're going to want to do as sort of a, a, a best practice in the game every single time, uh, you really get a different experience no matter how many times you play the game. Um, and I was looking for that in this game, and we can talk about why I didn't really it certainly is not banished, I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> well, I actually have a theory about that. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's so I do feel like that there is a key difference between games like RimWorld and Dwarf Fortress and games like Banished and... My mind's blanking on another one, but games like Banished. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's that, um, that RimWorld and Dwarf Fortress and, you know, ostensibly uh, Odd Realm are a little bit less focused on the mechanics of building and survival and more focused on the interesting emergent narratives that occur between people hmm. uh, in the settlement. So, I mean, because that's like, what I think is really compelling about them is that you essentially put them in situations and then, you know, watch your little ant farm, you know, do its thing. Uh, but, you know, it's it's really focused on on those character dynamics. And what's interesting about this game is it seems like it's somewhere in between yeah. uh, to where the, there's not that much, there's a lot of, um, of things like ingredients that typically create those sort of emergent narratives, like all these little, like these motivation menus and stuff for all the little individual people. Mm -hmm. uh, but the art style and the, um, the lack of like concrete interactions between them made it, to where I like that didn't really happen, and if it did happen, it was not highlighted in any way. Uh, so I feel like it it leans more towards the the sort of base building survival aspect, and where the people are little worker bees rather than than people with relationships. You know, even though they get married and have kids or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. It it becomes more about managing, making sure nobody's idle, and less about seeing what relationships form. Right. I mean, also, as a, in terms of the way it's modeling these systems, it's incredibly detailed in, like, this is one of the things, and I was thinking about this, not... Are you not about just in, to say bowls of oatmeal? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I think it's, for in, in this case, it's more like how much detail continues to become an enjoyable experience. Like, that was one of the questions I asked myself, like if, um, and I, I, I'm just looking at some screenshots now as I'm thinking about it, like, um, you know, like here's a screenshot with a list that has four different types of remains. Um, and each one has different qualities to it. Like the remains of a skeleton, the remains of somebody of a human. And 
it just got me thinking like this and Dwarf Fortress maybe, which I haven't played, is it has this level of detail as well. And I might not in, also enjoy it for that reason. Like there is a certain point at which the level of commitment required to understand all of the details becomes so much um, that I wonder, I guess this is a game where I wondered if that was pushed a little too far. Um, so I will say that in games like that, my instinct is to say that that uncovering those systems is the game, right? Yeah. Because um, there is a level where you can sit back and enjoy it, uh, but but you're not really fully engaging with it if your goal isn't to figure out, okay, so what happens when I do, yeah. when I put those two remains together? Does that make people upset? Right. And But I, I just feel like what's really missing from this game is that simulation of of the people's interaction with each yeah. other um well, i think you guys I kept brought up waiting for it to happen and it just didn't quite i think yeah and i think somebody brought up earlier about the the kind of that it's an early access like i think um if i had a really sort of nice way over two or three hours in which i was slowly introduced to those systems um you know, like in a polished game, you, you know, you sort of get the very first thing first and you get to spend 20 or 30 minutes with, with one thing and then a new thing gets introduced, right? And you spend a half an hour with that. And by the end of a day or two of playing the game, you, like there's still little bits of tutorial maybe even that are emerging and showing you new parts of things. Um, whereas here, I think again, because it's early access, instead of, I mean, I think tutorial is a strong word for what what we're given it's it's really more like here's some screens with data about what you're doing um and i i'll be honest i i kept hitting the reset button on the tutorial so that the tutorial screens would keep reappearing um and so i kept restarting the game to to relearn and, and get better understanding of each of the parts um so i like i had a lot of sort of short false starts me too um me too and, you know, there's nothing fundamentally, you know, wrong with that, except that ideally I would like the game to slowly work me into those things, um, even if some of the details are still a mystery and I have to explore them. Um, the kind of core basics felt, it felt really hard for me to get access to them in a way that, that at least at this moment in my life was, was enjoyable. Um, One interesting thing that it does do, though, is... I, I don't know if if everyone else had the same experience, but I felt like it was very easy. So like me not figuring out the systems wasn't really an issue because I wasn't, I never reached the point to where those failings of my understandings ended up causing problems with my settlement. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. totally. Um, yeah. Because the pacing is very, like I was getting so much more food than I knew what to do with. <laughs> yeah. And they, it took forever to, you know, go bad. I never reached. And, and I think I reached the first winter is, is how long I played with one settlement. Right. Um, and it took me half that time to figure out how to place roofs actually on top of buildings. <laughs> because because yeah. one really, really interesting thing this game did. And, and after I got used to it, I really liked is the sort of the you know the z dimension right yeah. mm-hmm. the actual building you know up and down and and i will tell you i had a hell of a time trying to figure out how to parse like my my spatial like understanding of what was happening uh because like um because for for listeners it's it sort of blacks out 
parts of the map that are on a different level. Um, and then you can scroll in and out to sort of change your view, like what, what your sort of Z value is in how you view it. It's sort of hard to explain the sensation of getting lost and not knowing <laughs> what floor I'm on and or accidentally building a door up in the air or, you know, doing things right. like that. Uh, or, or mining for something and then ending up, uh, with a hole that you don't know how deep the hole is and yeah and or you can't dig out of yeah can't, yeah uh, can't dig out of yeah and and i did get more used to it the more i played and engaged with it but it was just really huge like i feel like i needed a lot more time just to get used to that yeah. before yeah. i felt ready to take on some of the other and i think I think that goes back to what Joe was saying. Uh, this game would certainly be, I mean, this, this like banished and like, uh, I, like I assume Rimworld and, and, uh, Dwarf Fortress are, they're games that require a certain slow, uh, patient figuring pieces out, partly because the game itself takes a long time to play. It's not something that you jump in and you're going straight into action and then a cutscene and then more action. Um, it's a long growing, process both of gameplay but also of learning how to you know getting into that learning curve um over time and and to be fair it would take way more than a month of casual gaming uh for us to have <laughs> have really hit our stride with those things yeah. so maybe check back with us next year and we'll tell you about what we think about it <laughs> well i don't so, so now you go ahead robbie so i approach this game having read zero things about it not even knowing really what genre it was. I just downloaded the zip file and ran it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I, it's been a very long time, or, or really I haven't played anything um, in this specific genre. Um, so I was not lost. I sort of got the, the general idea of what I was supposed to do, and I could tell that there's a whole lot more, but I was really comfortable just sort of saying, oh, there's a whole lot more than just this, but I, I'm i fine just sticking with with what I had. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. But because of that, I think there was a lot that just seemed like, I don't know why this is, <laughs> why this is happening. Yeah, I kept hitting kind of, a, not quite hitting a wall, but I kept uh having these frustrating little things where I couldn't figure out why people weren't using the well, for example, like what's going on with the well. And it's, it was, I'm sure it was in the tutorial at some point. Um, but they don't really tell you a whole lot about, okay, to have a well, you have to put down a, a room called, you know, that's, that's there for your well. And then you have to put the well in the room and, but a room is different from a zone. Um, and, and yeah, so, so stuff like of that stuff. is that is that stuff that someone with knowledge of the genre would know about? Because I, I found a lot of those features useful, but not immediately intuitive. It probably Same. would have been quicker to pick up, I think, because um, like I was familiar with zones and zoning from the other games, but the rooms thing is is actually totally new, I think. Um, and actually, as I, I I actually really like the room system. Um, because it made it feel like what I was doing. Again, I keep talking about uh, like ant farm because that's really what it feels like I was doing. Like yeah. I was setting up all these little spaces, and then as I got more and more ants, <laughs> right. uh, they just went around their day and filled, you know, 
Whereas in something like RimWorld, it feels a little bit more freeform, right? You can put any sort of station in any sort of room you want. Um, you assign tasks associated to specific stations. Whereas in this game, you you create spaces for them and then you give orders and then they find the right space to go to. Um, even though one thing I did notice, and I think this goes back to like the, the sort of people simulation that kept throwing me off was that they never would really interact with the thing they would just get close to it and then mm-hmm. doing it like a same thing with like a so you could have bedrooms right which bedrooms need beds but they i had never saw anybody use a bed they always just fell asleep wherever they were standing <laughs> so i saw i saw them actually get in the beds i saw them yeah i, yeah, they, I might they have do. just not been paying attention but i was right. just like i just built you a bed um well I, I think part of it for me is that some of those feel like really artificial constraints um and i think that's part of what i found challenging yeah. like so um, I had just recently played Oxygen Not Included. I don't know if you guys, anybody has played that, but um, mm-hmm. so um, in Oxygen Not Included, you can create rooms, um, but they're a bonus. So like, um, because you're sort of carving out of this like underground space, you can just put a bunch of beds down and people will sleep in them. But if you enclose them in walls, then the game understands a bunch of beds inside enclosed walls as a bedroom and you get a morale bonus. So, um, so it's, it's the art of, I guess for me, it's a little artificial to say, well, until you've enclosed them in walls, they're not really a place. You see what I'm saying? Like for me, that feels artificial in a way that's not as productive as, as, as a constraint. And I do almost feel like rooms made it seem, excuse me, made it seem like they had to be in buildings, but actually they don't. And that was one thing, like to me at first, I thought that was the difference. Well, no, you can just, you You can can make your well just outside and you just, because you can draw your room however you want. Ah, okay. And that can be outside and that, because like a farm is a room, uh, but farms don't need wall, you know. And and so to me, my initial assumption was that that was the difference between a zone and a room, Uh, but that wasn't true. So, um, so yeah, there was a, and I and I felt like that they were trying to do more distinct things with zones and rooms, but they sort of ended up yeah. having some overlap because because um, you know w- within rooms you can specify what things are allowed to be in them, mm-hmm. and with some types of rooms you you can stock them with things. So like for example, uh, fields like animal fields. Yeah, um, you can tell it to stock that field with food and water, for example. Um, Whereas that's not something you can do with uh, like storage rooms. Uh, but for storage rooms, you have to say that it is a zone and then the zone is how you give it permission. So there are some weird overlapping yeah. systems like that. Well, um, and so I guess my question uh, is whether, and this is what I've been trying to parse out with this game since I started playing it, like which parts of this could be refined because they're not necessary. Like what is the thing we're meant to enjoy and which parts of this are like contribute to that and which parts of it are actually a hindrance to it. And, and, and that's what I've been trying to sort out in terms of all the little details and the multiple systems and the overlapping of them. Um, because I think that's a valid design question, right? Like this thing that I put in place, like having rooms and having zones or, or this other thing I put in place, which is that, um, you know, you, I don't know. I can't think of another good example, but you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I, I'm not sure all of that work has been done on the game. Um, 
and there's a lot, it feels to me like there's still a fair amount of it to do. Um, it no, makes, no, I, I, go, go ahead, Brad. Well, it makes me wonder, like, why, why make it where, uh, for example, you, going back to the well house, right? You draw a two by three uh, square called your, your well room. Uh, uh, and, and, you, and to make it work, you have to put in a well, which is a prop. And then uh, two barrels, which are two containers. And then if you have somebody who is, has the survivor uh, uh, specialty uh, skill, they will automatically come to the well and get water out of it whenever you uh, – you can also tell the game to produce water if it gets to a certain – if your water supply gets to a certain low point, uh, that, that your guy will go get more. Well, so my question is, comparing it to a game like Banished, um, if you make a workstation and you, uh, like, say, a, uh, a wood chopper, um, if, if you set that up and you employ someone there, you assign someone to work there, then they know what to do. You don't have to put all of this extra stuff into it. It comes – all of that stuff comes built into that piece. Um, and they already know that they will get their hammer or their, their axe and their tools from the tool maker and things like that. It, it's, it makes me question why that level of specificity of you need to put this thing in, you, you need to design, design this space and put these things into that space. Um, why couldn't it just be automated that when I put down a room called a well house or a well, uh, that they would, it would automatically, they would automatically start building the stuff that goes into it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Make, I, I think it's just a difference. That I'm, I mean, because I actually enjoyed the sort of mechanics of being able to broadly say how many of this resource I wanted to be in my settlement. And, yeah. But also yeah. to have the flexibility of assigning individual people to things if I wanted to, you know, you know what I mean? I, I feel mm -hmm. like a lot of those things are sort of Part, like mostly optional organizational tools for the settlement. Because yeah. um, I didn't even engage with a lot of the really specific tunings until everything else was already set up, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. um, and, uh, but because, so I, I just feel like it's, um, and honestly, I, in general, a lot of these things feel like preference things. I, with the With the exception of a few, overlappings like i do feel like the rooms and zones thing might just be streamlinable um but i i feel like the granularity and so the simultaneous granularity and ability to zoom out with my whole settlement mm -hmm. um was just really interesting to me and it felt like it was trying to fill a design space that a lot of these other games uh don't really do yeah i can see that yeah. Yeah. Well, and it did have some cool. And listen, I, you know, my the, as w with every game we play, like I think a lot of this has to do with, um, for me at least, that I was, I think I was so off put by the, um, by the top down sort of layering, uh, 3D, uh, like that as the mode for na navigating 3D. That my brain sort of got overloaded by that every time I played. Um, and so then I was think more prone to respond to other systems as overly complicated. Um, 
there's actually a, a, I can't remember what the principle is, but literally, if if somebody perceives something as more complicated, they'll actually it'll mm-hmm. actually be harder for them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great study where they took um, the same set of instructions and gave them to people in like a normal like everyday, like aerial font. And they gave them to another group of people, but with like a super hard to read cursive, like script font. And they were like basic instructions, like about like doing some exercises and people who had the script version consistently rated the experience as much more difficult. Um, So when we think about UI and we think about the things that we do to give people data um, and to to help them navigate user experience, um, like I don't think we should underestimate that like if you're feeling like the experience is difficult, it then becomes more difficult. Um, And and for for me, the single most important factor in that was the top-down layering system. Um, Navigating 3D for me, at no point did I feel comfortable with that. Um, Yeah, I agree that to me, that is like the initial huge hurdle of complexity with this game is that top-down 3D. Yeah. um, uh, Also with with the sort of art style that makes it, you know, sometimes hard to parse. Yeah, because it's it's kind of low, low res. And and because... Because definitely this game is a complex game. There's mm-hmm. lots of little complex systems, but that doesn't inherently mean that the game is is difficult and bad oh. and confusing. But because there's this initial hurdle that was presented at the same time as yeah. this whole complexity, yeah. I, I agree that definitely my first impression was just, oh my gosh, what is happening? You know, yeah. and and that made all the systems be like, okay, I see there's something going on here, but I'm way more worried about just how I engage with the game at all. Yeah. And so I think the big question for me is why, like why choose this as the primary 3D navigation system? And obviously we don't have the designer here, so we can't ask that, but. um, So one, I mean, this may not have been intentional on their part, but what I initially latched onto in the game, probably because of that was, I was happy that, that a lot of the villagers sort of automated doing lots of things like I, I could just say i want to uh you know i want to mine this wood and then yeah whoever ends up doing it fine whatever but the fact that i needed to specify things like how many barrels are next to the well and all that stuff in order to create a well house yeah combined with the interface for needing to you know move up and down and navigate the space i engage with the game primarily like with the space. And so I ended up really liking it. Like I felt like I was designing a camp, like I was designing, um, you know, I, I was designing <laughs> a, a space and an environment and less like the people are just there because they're like, they're the little pieces that are going to be moving around in this thing that I'm making. Yeah. yeah it, that's exactly what I mean when I'm using the, the sort of you know ant farm analogy yep. <laughs> is yeah. Like I'm creating this settlement and what people do in it is whatever they're getting married. Okay. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, um, one interesting thing to mention too, is that they all have jobs, uh, yeah. which they pre-assign themselves, but you can also reassign them. Mm-hmm. I actually found that really, really interesting way to create, uh, to, to force specialization towards a certain thing. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing that I always thought was sort of missing from Worm. I mean, on one hand, I like the sort of, um, and I and I talk about RimWorld because it's the one I have the most experience with. Uh, but because the people in RimWorld, they have very similar series of things they can do, things mm-hmm. they will not do, and then their like a their capability 
at doing those things. Yeah. Uh, but they don't have jobs, but they sort of fall into them based on based on those things, right? right. If somebody can't, you know, do doctoring work, but they're really good at shooting a gun, I'm going to equip them with the best gun and I'm going to remember them to recruit them when, you know, people attack. Uh, but this game makes it way more flexible to to fit people into whatever you need uh, yeah. for that automated system. And, right. you know, you can adjust their priorities and so forth. But Well, one thing that I can say about this and hearing you guys talk about uh, RimWorld and, and so many of these other ones, um, I definitely want to try more of, of that. Is there a name for that kind of game? I mean, Dwarf Fortress is what people typically related to mm -hmm. but uh More fortress like right, right. i don't sim. know colony yeah. sim is what i've heard yeah so so more colony sims and things like that and as i said i've played a few which i can't really recall right now which ones i have played but none of i haven't played RimWorld or or uh dwarf fortress but there are several of these other types of games that are either colony sims or this sort of top-down view where you're interacting with a procedurally generated mm -hmm world like this and it and it is they are very different from a game like banished or uh uh, 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 uh cities uh, uh city skylines things like that yeah. yeah um but i do like i really quite enjoy the ant farm aspect of of all of these types of games uh you wind them up and you let them go and you make little tweaks here and you build something you build basically that the, the park as robbie was talking yeah. about well, and that's just so wonderfully satisfying. So this has inspired me to go out and find more of those for sure. And this one too, even kind of delves into almost like RPG stuff, like the, the kind of avatars for each, like you can equip players with all, like, like they call them outfits or uniforms. Yeah, yeah the uniform yeah. system but, is very cool. But yeah. it's like the avatar for it is basically like what you would find in a nineties RPG, like, you know, uh -huh. like here's your, here's your body armor, here's your boots, here's your, you know, what you're carrying in your left and right hands. And, mm -hmm. um, and you can improve those and, you know, you can get better ones or craft them. And, um, so it's, it is kind of cross crossing some genre lines for sure. Um, but the other thing I just coming back to the 3d space again, um, what's interesting to me is that, so if I remember correctly, Dwarf Fortress is, is 2d, um, side, like essentially a sideways space, right? Like um, you're uh, like a platformer. No, no. Well, like yeah, like a like that, right? Like you're looking at the side, sort of like Terraria or Craft the World, right? Isn't it? Yeah, I th yeah. I I've never played it. So have any of us even played? No. Like the most I iconic keep, game in this genre. I keep, I keep waiting for it to come out on Steam, but they never release it. I know the it. new version. I'm excited um, for. Because, but so but. so so one so one big set of these because oxygen not included is also a sideways one. A big set of them are like sideways looking at like a dug a dug world, right? And then another set of them are like Rim World, they're top down. Um but it's or just Fortress is top down. I just looked at yeah. it. Oh it yeah, is okay. It's top down Why did I think it was sideways? I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um but so in both cases though they're only 2D, right? Like you're not um I think. Yeah. I mean, and most of these games are just 2D. Yeah. Uh, so so I think the challenge that this the designer kind of uh, brought themselves right was like well what if i took that but then made it 3d mm -hmm. is an interesting one 
I just, my big question is, I feel like, because essentially what it feels like is a constrained kind of Minecraft, right? Like you're looking at a, essentially a voxel 3D yeah, experience, it definitely... but it's like, it's 3D, but you've got a fixed top-down camera that can only scroll. And when you scroll, it makes levels invisible or visible. And, you know, my brain is going, well, why can't it just be Minecraft? Like, why can't you, just, uh, you right. know, like, why can't it, yeah. when you're thinking about affordances to players, like offering players things that make sense to them, do this exact same thing, but just put it in Minecraft, like in a Minecraft voxel space, give, give us control over the camera and then everything else could be the same and it would be so much easier to, to, to manage. But um, I still really appreciate this game because they didn't just make it Minecraft, right? I mean, they're experimenting with these constraints and seeing what sort of different experience that creates for this sort of colony sim. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. No, I just don't like no, it. No, I, I just can't <laughs> say that I agree. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, yeah, it can just be Minecraft, but why didn't Terraria just make it Minecraft? You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like it's interesting to see what those constraints what sort of different, you know, because I actually found myself making really interesting decisions about sort of the verticality of space and the way I was designing my setup. I, I don't know. I just, it felt like it was sort of a unique, it, an, a unique thing and, and making it just 3D would definitely have felt very different. And yeah. maybe that difference is good, but also I feel like it's worth exploring. Yeah. I, I think it has, it might have something to do with the fact that you're, you're not building it hands-on and you're not building it straight on first person -y, and you are building it in a laid out, um, almost a blueprint kind of schematic, right? You're, you're, you need to have that sort of high above God kind of view to, to be able to spatially do what's going on in the, in, in the whole world there. Yeah. So, I, I, I think if it were 3d, the temptation would be then to, get the camera like in closer mm -hmm. and that would that would be a different experience but that yeah. said one of the things that frustrated me the most with this game because i was engaging it mostly as a as a like environment designer and not like a you know managing settlement kind of thing was that because like each individual like i guess tile is like eight by eight and i really wanted it to be at least double like there's like types of plants and stuff that clearly have yeah. unique rights, but they're not that unique because there's also trying to be um, uh, natural. And so it just looks like this is a group of green squiggles. Right. And over here is a yeah. different group of green squiggles and that's a totally different plant. The, the art style really is like the, the biggest obstacle for me playing it. Like it took me a little while to, uh, to sort of get a, get the hang of the, uh, the, the sort of Z verticality, but honestly, it it, it it didn't take me that long. Um, so once I got that, I actually ran into an issue of like, okay, I can't see like what the people are or what they're doing. Distinguishing um, like them from each other is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, there was that element, um, but you know, the the verticality didn't really seem like a, a big a big hurdle for me uh it's actually like exactly what i'm always wanting when i play rim world i'm just you know like okay we've got this little hovel of houses here why can't i like put a second story on these i can like yeah. launch myself across the planet in like little <laughs> rocket powered pods but i can't build a set of stairs uh so in that sense um 
I think it does a lot of things better than RimWorld. Uh, the biggest sort of uh, issue I found was, yeah, the art style was was hard for me to sort of see what was going on. Uh, and like when you get into winter, uh, the whole map turns white, at least where I was. Uh, and so you lose like all that kind of separation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, well, go ahead. Well, in, in talking about the the distinction, but in it, and it also like to me that ended up being a huge problem. In for example, like when like people came, like bandits came, and I needed to defend myself, and I was like, okay, I have one person that has a weapon right now because I have a small settlement, and I click on them and tell them to go enter combat, and then I'm like, wait, is that them? Is that them? Is that the person running away? Like, I, and it made, yeah. so the combat in this game was very not good, in my opinion. It, like, it was really hard to manage, and and it really just had to do with that this, it seems like the people in this game aren't meant to be micromanaged. Um, right, yeah. It's, because, like, so, so the way RimWorld handles it, and I know we keep talking about it, um, <laughs> is that you can essentially turn people into, like, combat mode. And then they b will only let you individually command them during that time. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas in this game, they're still fighting against their regular priorities whenever you're trying to get them to attack this guy. And it, I had a huge issue. Like, I, I, so many people died just because I, like, clicked on the wrong person or <laughs> my guy got halfway there but then was like, oh, I'm thirsty. And then, like, turned around and, <laughs> and went to go drink some water before he did that. You right. know, so, so there's definitely some issues with that. Even though I think that, that those sorts of things are things that are very actively being worked on, those sorts yeah. of those sort combat dynamics and things like that. Um, well, yeah, and I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Like, I love that somebody and that lots of people are like pushing the boundaries of design and trying to explore like what happens if we take this genre and and kind of cross over. What happens if we take this way that we're used to using space and and experiment with it? Um, and so, my question is always, my in response is, well, is that something that's worth doing for the experience, or is it something that gets in the way? of the experience. And, and I think that's, I think it's a worthwhile kind of design question to ask, but um, I also think it's it cha the problem with crossing genre lines that I think partly we're talking about is that, um, you know, like we're crossing between genres that involve macro and micro management. And so in a game that does that, I think the problem you just described, Olivia, is is inherent, right? Like mm -hmm. you've, you've got people who really like macro management, who just want to set things in motion and then just kind of not worry about it. And you've got people who like micromanagement, who want to place every little fern in a bedroom and like be like, okay, yeah. this person's going to work on, you know, lumberjacks for from 12 to four in the afternoon. And then they're going to, for two hours, they're going to go to a workout session. And then, you know, and then there are, people who hate that like I'm a person who's much more enjoys macro stuff so the micro stuff when I have to do it I feel like oh come on can't they just know what they're supposed to do yeah um, anyway so I, I think that one of the challenges of pushing design to cross boundaries is that you get audiences who like one or the other and then you're kind of caught with the the weaknesses of both yeah, um, that's definitely true because I, I don't, you know, obviously people can like one more than the other and still enjoy both. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but it's also interesting thinking about this game and thinking about some of the other games we described and like where the line is between 
what they're trying to do and how those manifest as mechanics, right? Like if we think about micro and macro management as like a continuum, um, Mm -hmm. you know, where is the maximum level of, like what's the maximum amount of micromanagement you can give a macro management player, you know, <laughs> like, they stab themselves in the face. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a great question. But overall, I'm actually was really pleasantly surprised. I, I sort of expected this game when I first saw it to be sort of just a Dwarf Fortress clone. Yeah. Um, but I was really like some of the really interesting systems in there are things that I hadn't seen or thought of before in the genre. And so mm-hmm. even though it was definitely challenging, uh, I enjoyed figuring it out. Uh, and overall, I found the game really fun and compelling um, just in making my buildings and watching my my little ants run around. Uh, yeah. But uh, but yeah, thinking about sort of its place in that genre, it's 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 sort of an interesting case. And it's also worth uh, worth saying that I'm I'm fairly certain the developer is just one person. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I think you're right. So, That's impressive. Uh, which this game is like it's so huge already, honestly. Yeah. And they're going to add like more different races. I we didn't even like, yeah. I haven't even tried oh, right. the other yep. like. The I other, haven't tried the other race either. Um, there and are, they're adding more of them. Yeah. yeah, for everybody out there who hasn't played it, there are. Um, a, there will be a total if, if when they finish it of I think five playable races uh, right now you can different. only play yeah and they, they all have different bonuses with how they interact with the world mm-hmm. right now there are only two playable um, but even even that uh, there's enough of a game with just the humans uh, yeah. and, and, and when they put the rest point, of it in there yeah, the amount of yeah. content in this game already is yeah. is pretty baffling even if it's just a you know an experiment about the genre so I just want to say you know if the developer listens to this we're not you know saying yeah. that this game no. has to be the best of its genre because it's already really really yeah. awesome uh, for i know yeah one. and i know i've been sort of probably the heaviest detractor today but um i one of the things that really impresses me because i've spent a lot of time thinking about this lately is the the detail and quality of the procedural generation I think is really strong I mean yeah the kind of world level mm-hmm. detail so in terms of like the environmental systems and the biomes and the, the stuff that's being done at the kind of full world level but then when you get into the the the, the kind of zone or what do you want to call it the grid where your settlement happens um the procedural generation there is is quite strong as well and and in terms of its detail and so i yeah i mean there's there's a lot to be impressed with um and and again it's an early access game so i think a lot of the things that that we're talking about will be tweaked and modified and there'll be a stronger tutorial at some point that gives more gentle entry into the game um just quickly one other thing that i think should probably be is worth coming to a, around a game like this is there's often a kind of argument that comes up <laughs> mainly when people are yelling each other at each other online where it's like there'll be one group of people who we might sort of call fanboys right who will say well you just don't understand the game um you know you're you know like this happens a lot with like dark souls and stuff right like um, yeah. you're just not hardcore enough and then there'll be another group of people who are just like why is that game so hard like like yeah. who would ever want to play it right and and um and this is a game that I think has the potential to fall into this category, like yeah, um, yeah, because it's like it's got this at least right now this kind of 
wall of entry, a kind of barrier to entry. Um, and I actually would, would qualify it as a game that like it has an almost like paper and pencil level of detail. Like some of the details in it are stuff that I like, I remember like playing like a D and D in the seventies and somebody's <laughs> like, wait a minute, are you using like a, you know, a wooden handled pike or a, like, right. a, like a, hey. an onyx handled pike? Because if you're using an onyx handled pike, then, you know, here are the five <laughs> things that are different about this, this situation, you know, and you're just like, um, I don't know. Like, and, and the fact I, I can add to that, the fact that they build that stuff into things like what temperature something grows at yeah. in a biome of uh, that, that level of, of, uh, drilled down specificity. Is, yeah. uh, I love it, but you're right. It does make it so, um, such a specialized little bit of knowledge that, uh, I can certainly see those two groups of people yeah. arguing with it, uh, uh, about it that way. Well, but that's and, the nature of it. No, totally. And, and I just think as designers, one of the things we need to kind of voice over and over again, kind of publicly is to say, it's okay to have criticisms of a game and to talk about its design systems and the way it's played and, and the qualities of it without, you know, immediately being put in the category of like, oh, you just don't understand it. And the reverse is also true. There can be people who don't like the experience of playing this game, and that doesn't mean they're bad people or that they, right. you know, like are just not trying <laughs> hard enough, you know? And uh, so I, Unless they're yeah. criticizing Abby in The Last of Us. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, that, that was the feeling that I had the whole time I played because I played with like peaceful settlements in like, in, in territory that was like away from other people yeah mm-hmm. um me too i don't and, need that kind of stress in my life right now <laughs> right and and as as soon like as soon as i remember the first settlement that i had um when when a merchant came by and was selling stuff and then i saw that he was selling swords i was like oh man like i don't <laughs> is that what's in my future like am i eventually gonna i don't want to have to deal with that extra system i just want to have my my own little peaceful place where i'm building like this perfect little valley for these people definitely mm-hmm. And I, but it did make me feel like am I am I playing it wrong? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, like, right. like I, I, I wondered a... that. Like when am I? When is that first attack going to happen? When am I going to mm-hmm. be ambushed? When? Because when it does, I'm going to die. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was yeah. like prepared. I was definitely prepared because I I I think I had like I said I had one guy with a sword, and when the first attack happened, I was like, this is it it's all over. They're going to wipe out half my settlement. And it was absolutely not that big of a deal. (laughs) Well, you know, it also makes you wonder how, uh, like in the other direction, how much different a game like Banished would be if, if after the fifth day or the, you know, the the first year, the neighboring tribes start attacking. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it makes that dynamic um, absolutely different. Uh, Because, you know, People just have, have to, to wait for Little Rock Games' upcoming Salem project to find out. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, Special sneak peek. Well, it's funny you say that that too and what Robbie said a minute ago because um, last week or the week before I was playing Northgard. I don't know if anybody's played that. but mm-hmm. I have um, not, but I've seen it. So, um, and I, I started thinking because I want Northgard to be more like Banished in that it's like I want it to be, and obviously it's about Vikings who are, you know, sort of warlike. So I shouldn't have really been expecting that. But, <laughs> um, but I was, I actually felt a little annoyed the first time it forced me into like 
realizing that I wasn't combat ready. Um, and I was like, come on, like, give me a break, man. Like, I just, that's not why I'm playing this. And, and I, it, it made me realize that in most games like this, I really just want the peaceful building. I really yeah. don't want the, you know, and when I, even in the older games, like when I would play like the early civilizations or when I would play, um, uh, what was it? Age of Empires. Like I would mm -hmm. always set it on like, like I'd create a thing where there was one other person, like one other AI and I'd put them like on a giant board. So the chances of the AI even finding me for like four hours were really small <laughs> yep. because all I wanted was to build my little settlement and upgrade my buildings. And, and I, I do think there's a player group that likes that stuff. And, and so having games like this, at least kind of like like Olivia said, I think be be soft enough in some ways that that you can you can do that without worrying that you're gonna um, be in trouble. Because I also think that in this game, so when they were like, "Oh, the bandits are coming," it was like an hour of gameplay <laughs> later when they finally showed up. <laughs> so they were yeah. definitely trying to make sure that they didn't catch anybody off guard, which most games like this would yeah. not do that. They would just be like, all right, bandits are attacking. Don't yeah. have your stuff because you didn't know to prepare for it. Well, too bad. Try again, you know? Well, so I do yeah. feel like that this game is trying to be like, considering it's, it's, you know, it's, it's very deep complexity is still trying to be it gentle during their learning process which yeah. again i appreciate about it because a lot of other games don't well even and robbie even pointed out earlier right like on the world map you can pick a, a zone a grid space that is whatever temperature like whatever level of difficulty you want you just pick it on the world map so right like you mm -hmm. can pick the one that says there's nobody mean near you everybody's friendly <laughs> like you know you're yeah everybody's safe there's low risk or you can pick the one that's like everybody around you is warlike it's freezing cold you know you you have so I, I really appreciated that right from the beginning i could pick that sort of level of difficulty but in a really clever way right like instead of having a slider that says yeah. like yeah. hard easy you know murderous instead you just picked a spot on the map and by picking that spot you that was very very that clever. was your level yep. of difficulty yeah so i thought that was clever yeah. All right. Well, anybody else want to add more stuff about Odd Realm and your experience with it? Um, we're kind of getting to the end of our podcast time here. Uh, you guys want to do some closing thoughts? Uh, we can go around and ask everybody. How's that sound? Sure. Sure. All right, Joe, why don't we start with you? Uh, <laughs> okay. Super brief. Uh, <laughs> I. Outside of a pandemic, I think I would have been much more willing to kind of optimistically engage both the 3D uh, display and the art style and the complex systems. In a pandemic, my brain just wanted it to be easier. Yeah. And that was yeah. really my, my main issue. Yeah. You can always go back and play ba Banished on easy <laughs> mode. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Olivia? Closing thoughts. Uh, what do I think? Well, I really enjoyed it. I, um, I, again, I was mainly just really glad that they tried new things just for the sake of trying new things, even if it made it difficult. And even if it made the game, you know, less easily to easy to pick up by people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really just like the genre of games. I like both the macro level, micro level gameplay. 
uh, I spent like an hour building a giant, like a two-story bar with like a storage room underneath nice. and nobody, none of the people used it. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, it was for me, not for them. But yeah, so I'm really interested to see where it goes and how it grows. You know, I feel like it's a massive and interesting game that, you know, um, I really appreciate that the developer put it in this bundle as well. I mean, it's, you know, it's a lot of work they've put into it clearly. And, um, you know, they put it towards a good cause and that's why we got to play it. So uh, I, I think I would really recommend trying it out if you're at all interested in this genre at all, just to sort of see what the heck it's doing. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Robbie, what did you think? Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed my time with it. And I think that um, it is clearly a very complex game, but it seems as though for the most part, you can engage with the complexity with as much, almost as, as much complexity as you want. Not to say if you're looking for zero complexity, yeah. you're, you're not going <laughs> to find that here. But, um, you know, there you can sort of focus on the, the part of the game that brings you joy if you can get past the huge hurdle of the the graphics and sort of the the interface bits but there's still plenty of time for them to work on that it's it seems like um there's so much here and it's clearly a passion project for them so um yeah yeah, it's it's already good and i think it's just going to get better yeah yeah uh tanner which is what, what are your closing thoughts on this guy yeah, so I this is definitely going to be a game that that hangs out in my library uh, that I come back to pretty often. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, you know, there wasn't anything that was uh, too difficult for me to to sort of overcome um, in terms of issues with the game. Uh, everything that that I think were the most prominent issues, like now, for me, uh, are fixed. Sort of, you know. As, as they continue to develop it. Cause I, I find it, found it a little too easy sometimes. Um, I kind of felt like I ran out of things to do, but I was left wanting more, you know? I, I yeah. built all the buildings uh, and sort of had access to enough money and resources by the end of my first year. And so I was just kind of like, okay, what's, what's sort of the next stage or is the next challenge? Uh, and I remember playing RimWorld and feeling like that. And now I can't even get close to covering all the content in the game. Uh, right. <laughs> so I, I'm excited to see sort of what they keep adding. Uh, there's a lot that I really enjoy about it. Yeah, me too. Well, I, uh, you know, I'll, I'll uh, wrap that part of it up. I agree with you guys um, very much. I'm really excited to see where they're going to go with this next. Um, I had this on my uh, Steam wish list for a long time. Um, and like Olivia said, I'm really, really glad and, and uh, appreciative not only of Unknown Origin Games for adding this to that bundle for racial justice and equality. Um, that was really awesome for them to do. But uh, also a shout out to all of those games. Uh, we were talking about it before the podcast, and there's there are over a thousand uh, digital and tabletop paper games, uh, print and play or RPGs in that bundle. So if I'm not sure if it's still available. Do you guys know? Is it, can you still jump in on that? I don't think you can. 
No, I don't think so. It ended in June, I think. uh, Yeah, okay. Well, it it was a fantastic thing. They uh, raised over, what did we say, five million? Eight million. Eight million. Eight million. Holy Moses. So just as a shout out to that, the amount of... Uh, developers who put their games in there, all of these games that are, as we said, a labor of love, um, adding them to that bundle. Um, and then all of the, uh, the gamers out there who went in and, and, and uh, bought that bundle to support that cause. Uh, that makes me really happy to be in this sort of greater community at large of gamers and game designers. And uh, good to know that that we're out there. I think the community, little side note, I think the community, the gaming community, uh, oftentimes the, the loudest voices that you hear are some of the worst voices in some ways. Um, and so it's good to hear and see this kind of result from just the general population of everybody pulling together and not only donating their games to this, but donating to this cause for these games. Um, so we're so happy to have had this tiny, tiny, tiny little way that we could, uh, show our support for such a big thing. Um, having said that, um, I'm going to turn it over to Joe cause Joe, you're next month. Your pick, you, you, what, what, what's your pick yes. for the bundle of racial justice and equality games on itch.io? Yes, my pick from the bundle for racial justice and equality bundle on itch.io <laughs> is Tonight We Riot. Tonight We Riot. In the spirit of racial justice and equality, I have picked Tonight We Riot. Oh, nice. Described nice. as a revolutionary crowd-based retro brawler. Oh, wow. It's developed by Pixel Pushers Union 512 and published by Means Interactive. and. Uh, yeah, it's, I think, going to be a really, let me just, here's what I will give you is one Steam quote from a reviewer. It says, <laughs> quote, the perfect game to play after being forced back to work in the middle of a pandemic. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, the timing is just impeccable. And actually, let me, I'll give you two quotes. Here's another one. Uh, here's another reviewer says, I quote, I can only imagine the quote, I'm willing to lay down my life to keep the market strong, unquote, line was supposed uh, to seem like a joke when they first wrote it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Ace like milk. So this is an unapologetic um, game, a socialist game about fighting against oppression. So I'm excited to play it. I'm really excited to play it. And I'm excited for us to talk about it next month. Yeah, me too. I can't wait. That's a good choice. Very good choice. Also, I just want to say I encourage, you know, people listening, if you're looking for some new games, you might consider, uh, even though the bundle's over, the games, you can still see what they all are. Uh, And since, you know, they all freely gave how many thousands of copies away to so many people, it might be worth, you know, supporting the devs and continuing to support the causes that the bundle is for. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So with that, um, let's see. Our theme music that's playing underneath us is Plain Loafer from Kevin McLeod. As always, if you played along with this or if you have any stories you'd like to tell about um, Odd Realm or any of the other games that we play or have played, 
uh, please let us know on our Facebook page. Uh, give us a shout over there or at littlerockgames.com down in the uh, comments section of uh, these uh, podcast little pages. Um, we will be back next month with Joe's pick. And until then, you guys, please stay safe, practice social distancing, wear your masks, and remember that Black lives do matter. Uh, we'll see you next month. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.